What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, the Bears played the Lions. They played a football game. They played 60 minutes, and that's about the nicest thing that I can say about it. How are you feeling today? It was a close. The first quarter was, uh, you know, the Bears were right there, right in it. And then, of course, the, uh, the Lions, where they had like, you know, 28, 30 some unanswered points, just uh, dismantled uh, the Bears. And, you know, this is, I mean, we expected it. I mean, the Lions were going to put some points up. I don't think we expected the, the Bears to go into early hibernation, but I guess if you're rooting for the tank, that was a good uh, a good game for for those fans. Yeah, I mean, the Bears did what we thought they could do. They came out of the gate, had a nice first possession, moved the ball quickly down the field, capped it off with a nice little touchdown pass. Okay, feeling good. Get the ball back. Justin Fields breaks one. Looks like he's going to score. It's like, okay, two possessions, two touchdowns. Isn't that great? It's tackled the seven. You're like, oh, that's a bummer. But yeah. you know, you're going to punch it in here. They don't, and he Justin Fields takes one of those terrible sacks that we hate, where he just needs to dump the ball uh, and and take an incompletion. And it was just like, is this what's going to happen today? And you know, in hindsight, that's absolutely what was going to happen. They settled for a field goal, and that was it for the scoring. Uh, Detroit went up so much that basically the entire fourth quarter they just sat on the ball. They they didn't even want to score. They were just no. sort of you know trying to run the clock out very sad performance um at the end of the year you want to see at least a little something there's some reasons behind that um there's a lot of discontinuity up front uh we which we will i'm sure get into but overall a pretty sad effort and um i don't really want to delay too much because <laughs> i'm just going to wallow in my pity and yeah. this is a barren balance show so we are supposed to try to balance this out so let's let's start off with the portillo's trench tribute even if the Bears lose, which they've been doing a lot of this year, yeah. we still give out a $100 gift card. We've given out a ton of them. We are running out of them, which is great. So that means that the cake shakes and, and the, the Italian beef and, and all of the goodness that's at Portillo's is being distributed around the continental United States. We have not had anybody from outside the continental United States win one of these, which that would be probably not the best thing in the world. You know, we actually did have one winner who I think was – I want to see Australia. And he told me, Hey, I don't live in the States. They don't ship overseas. You guys can do the draw again. I love the show. I love what you guys do. But uh, he said, I, I am going to get to the States at some point, but it's not going to be for a while. So just go ahead and redraw that one. So we, that was one week where we did that. So, I mean, Baron Balance is, is, all, is all over the world. It's all over the world. I, I wish we would have been able to trade him for like a didgeridoo or something. Like, you know, there's got to be some sort of trade that we can do of Baron Balance stuff for some sort of cool Australian gift. But maybe we'll figure that out in the future. Hit us up where you get your Baron Balance. 2ndcitygridiron at gmail.com if you would like to do that. 
Um, on on the Twitter machine, you can you can hit up and respond to the tweet that we have out there for the yeah. Portillo's Player of the Week. Uh, you can put it in the comments here on the YouTube. Um, that that does count. Uh, put it on the Facebook wherever you get your bearing balance. Player of the Week. It's hard this week. I get it, um, but we were going to start off in the trenches as we always do. Trench tribute, and I'm going to let you start. It is your turn to start this week. Before I get into it, I will say that last week's winner, Josh Winslow, came from the uh, YouTube. And YouTube's not like Twitter. I can't just DM you, reach out to you. So I had to make a comment in there. So Josh Winslow, if you're listening or if someone knows Josh, come on down. Let them know. $100 gift card waiting for you. But for me, trench tribute, like you said, man, it's hard. The trenches were not good this week. The Bears' defense was gashed. The offense did nothing. So I'm doing a little a little stat line scouting here, and I'm going to go Justin Jones, six tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss. And the, one of the reasons why I'm going with Justin Jones is because he's been playing some defensive end the last few weeks. He actually got to start at defensive end this game. He's one of the few guys, I think, of the front seven, or the D-line, I should say, that's going to come back next year. He's under contract. He's showing some position versatility. I like him as a player. I don't like him as your best defensive lineman so i think if he's a part of this thing if he has some better talent around him he'll be fine you know i can't see them cutting him it doesn't make any sense um there'd be a bit of a cap it there he's got a, a bonus 2.5 million uh coming up here but it's not a it's not an outlandish cap it 7.5 million next year i think he'll be here he'll be part of this unit going forward and you know he'll be one of these guys that kind of helps teach the hits principle the philosophy to all the newcomers they get there's going to be a lot of them yeah, it's really the only choice this week. He got a sack, and it was during the game when it was still somewhat live, right? Like there were still the starters were in the game. Yeah. It was a good rep. Like, I mean, he, he was a good rush. It wasn't necessarily like a covered sack or anything like that. Um, it, was, it was a nice rush. It's only his third sack this year. That's, I mean, it's really sad. I'm going to get into that in a little bit here. Oh, um, so am I. That's good. Oh, so, <laughs> um, so I, he again we've talked about Justin Jones a lot if he's your fourth best defensive uh lineman you feel pretty good about that the fact that he's the best defensive lineman on the team right now it's not surprising that he's not really able to do much because you know uh blocking schemes can kind of focus in on him and he has been moving around a little bit showing a little versatility i think that's that's pretty good to see he he really is the only person that i would want to see back on this defensive line at least in in the in the starting role again armand watts is starting right now you'd like to see him be a rotational piece you know the the fact that travis gibson is starting he doesn't look like a starter right he looks like probably your third defensive end you know maybe your fourth you know we, we won't write the book on dominique robinson yet um but you know giving him real well I, I believe Alkani Muhammad had he might have gotten on the stat sheet this week. I think he had a pass defense. Did, yeah. So so yeah, I did. almost gave it to him out of like kind of <laughs> you know because we've been so hard on him. But um, I just I don't even put his number in the starting lineup for uh, for the ten minute drill because I'm just like no I'm just not I'm not acknowledging that Alkani Muhammad is a starter because he doesn't do anything. So I just, I don't even put his number on, on in the starting lineup, but I, I agree with you. I think that's the only real option here. The offensive line was dreadful. He was in tatters. Uh, just make a mention of that, that Tevin Jenkins, not quite sure why he's starting uh, if he's having injury issues and he was out like that. And then unfortunately, Michael Schofield who came in, he's the, the top reserve uh, at guard. He was quickly, out of the game as well uh, and a knee injury. Um, and so 
you were down to Dieter Iceland getting a lot of reps uh, on the offensive line. And we've talked about, you know, eight different starting lineups with this offensive line throughout the year. And you've had even more when you start to get injury replacements. Uh, it, it, it's very tough to get any sort of continuity going. And you have a lot of players that really aren't, uh, you know, they're not starting caliber players or they're at their end of their career, like a guy like, unfortunately probably like Cody Whitehair. I mean, this is clearly something's going on with him. He came back from injury and he's hasn't been the same person, you know, rightly reef very nice career, but you know, this is almost certainly probably his last year or, or very close to it for him. So you just do not have the talent or the, uh, the continuity or in any of that, that you really need for an offensive line. And that's made it things really tough. So I'm not picking anybody from the offensive line. Um, so let's just move on to Twitter. Tweet of the week. Uh, we got a couple fun ones here. Uh, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, he is Adam the Don't Stare Directly at the Sunworm. Uh, at uh, what the heck does that mean? I have no idea. He is a a producer at six seven to score. Um, but but he tweeted this during the Steelers game when, of course, the rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett was doing his thing. Um, he tweeted, "I really wonder what it's like for a young QB to have actual NFL players surrounding him," which makes me want to ask you this question. This season, obviously, you know, Ryan Poles was handicapped. He, he couldn't do a lot of things. But there were some moves he probably could have made a little earlier. We saw him address a receiver at, at one point with Chase Claypool. Jury's out on that. O-line wasn't the best that he did there. So was 2022 a missed opportunity for this regime to really see what Fields has? Because as a fan, it's, it's hard for me to take off the fan glasses and say, hey, you know, maybe he's not the guy. Because he looks like he's the guy. I've seen enough flash where I think he's going to be the guy. But it seems like the Bears were in on him. But was this a missed opportunity? Did they not give him enough stuff to really to really get a good a good gauge on what Justin Fields is going to be? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it was a missed opportunity, right? I think that I, I've said this a couple times, but very early on in the tenure of of Ryan Poles, he had an opportunity to trade for Amari Cooper. And I think he was still trying to figure things out. And I think Mari Cooper probably would have come pretty cheap. And I think that he just thought, you know what? No, there's going to be a lot out here. I'll figure it out. He didn't take that. And then he was kind of chasing his tail from that point. He got to the draft. I think he had Christian Watson probably identified with one of his picks. You know, we've heard some things that that was kind of what he he was thinking. That's what the building was thinking was that he he had his eye on Christian Watson Watson was taken before the Bears two picks. And so that that was off the board. You know, he looked at some of those other guys, maybe like an Alex Pierce and said, well, he's going to be around for a third round draft pick. He wasn't right. He was taken right after Jaquan Brisker was taken. And so then you get to the Bears third round pick and they take Valus Jones. And I think it was probably one of those situations like, hey, we have to do something here. And Valus Jones clearly has not done anything of of note uh in the positive direction um on the offensive side of the football not special teams he's looked pretty good as a special teamer but i think that he really kind of chased his tail from that from that moment i think he missed that opportunity and and i think that that really probably pushed him to make the chase with claypool trade right I, i think that that kind of pushed that that looks worse because he hasn't been able to do much he was hurt um really hasn't gotten into a rhythm with uh with justin fields and then the pick has continued to get <laughs> better and better, better for, and better, for yeah. Pittsburgh. Right. So it's unfortunate. Um, I I'm still, I'm not writing off Chase Claypool by any stretch of the imagination. I want to see what he looks like with the full off season, but I think there's a little bit of rookie mistake then maybe compounding it a little bit. The offensive line stuff. I mean, you and I both 
were pretty worried, right? Becoming into the year, you, you, you know, your, your highest signing is Lucas Patrick and you're kind of battling with your former high pick and Tevin Jenkins and telling him he's not a tackle and he's guard and he's not practicing. And, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff and we were, you know, we were kind of critical on this and not really loving where this was going. And so I, I think that there, there were missed opportunities, you know, the, again, second round of the draft, you take two defensive players, get every, everything needed to be helped. But yeah. if you felt like Justin Fields was potentially the guy, then why not at least try to protect him and give him a little bit more juice um, and so, yeah, I do think there was an opportunity to make sure that you knew the answer to that question at the end of the year. It's just rough now because now they, I think they, they're a little more in on him now than they were. Um, they're going to build around him a little bit, but what if he doesn't take a step as a passer? You know, now you're one more year behind of what, what you're doing here. Now you have to go ahead and, you know, in, in 2024, now you have to go ahead and make that decision. And, and hopefully you have a, another full off season now where you actually do, bolster up a supporting cast and if that's the case then if you got to go with a new quarterback then you know he'll be able to step into a better situation but missed opportunity i think they could have done a little more and you know that's not just hindsight talking we, we talked about it you know pre, or during this before the season during the season we kind of talked about it so I, I always hearken back to dakota dozier being their move it's like what the hell are we doing here well, and you know, you talk to Packers writers, right? I mean, I don't try to do that too much because you know we got to keep those enemy lines, um, you know, as strong as possible. But you know, a couple guys I talked to, and okay, Luke's Packers, tell me about him. And you know, the the, the report that I got was basically, uh, well, if <laughs> if he's the guy that you are counting on to be your center, you're in trouble. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, like that's not great. You know, he's like, yeah, you can hide him at guard, but. You know, and I'm not sure that that was true. So I was hoping that we'd get to see him at center and see if that evaluation was off. But uh, yeah, that was that was kind of their highlight move, right? Like they brought him in, they made him front and center. Like they, you know, they they tried to put him in in front of the microphone and all that. Like it was, you know, they had a fifth round rookie tackle. He's played every snap. He's looked pretty good for a fifth round rookie making the jump. But again, that was their big solution to this. Pretty rough. Leads into my tweet. Uh, I've got a screenshot here for the people on YouTube. Nice. This is a poll that just closed. Uh, Danny Parkins at Danny Parkins says, okay, I'm firmly in on Justin Fields. I think that Lester and I agree with that sentiment as well. Uh, give him help and time. I think he'll be special. My stance is well established, but I'm curious. If the Bears got the first pick and Ryan Poles decided to draft Bryce Young, who's everybody's saying this is the no doubt number one guy, and trade Justin Fields for two first-round picks and four total picks as a fan, you would be, and then shocked and angry, won the poll with 42%, shocked and sad with another 22%, shocked and happy was 10%, and then respect polls' boldness was 26%. So I, maybe that's more of a, like, Hey man, respect the, I respect the the player, right. Or whatever. Like, you know, I, I that, that's, I wouldn't have done that, but like good for you or whatever it is on, on that last one. But I think that that shows for the most part, people are in on Justin Fields. Yeah. That's after his, that was a terrible performance. And then still 64% would be shocked and either angry or sad. Right. Uh, polls respecting the boldness. We'll just kind of call that like a 25% that's, sort of just sitting out or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the fans are still in on Justin Fields. I think that it's worth 
talking about as just a, a hypothetical. I don't think that happens. But if this regime came in and they were not convinced that Justin Fields was the guy, and then you wanted to start doing the conspiracy theory stuff that Robert riffed on for like 20 minutes after we did the 10 minute drill, just yeah. went, you know, grassy knoll type stuff. <laughs> uh, but if, if you want to go down that path and talk about this is a new regime, just feels, isn't their guy. Maybe they don't see what they like in, in a quarterback. Maybe there's something that they prefer a little bit more. Maybe they want the guy that's a, a quick processor, um, you know, and, and can, you know, more, you know, the, that level of guy and that they don't maybe, maybe care about the, the deep passing. I, I mean, I'm making that up, but like maybe there's something there where you, where polls wasn't convinced and wasn't going to invest anything in particular to try to prop him up. But I think that given the stretch that Fields had with taking his off that offense and putting it on his back, doing what he did on the ground, but also like there was some really good passing games in there. Even if the volume was limited, his efficiency was great and he can yeah. still throw it deep. So I, I guess um, hypothetically, Lester, if that happened, what would be your reaction? Yeah, I would be shocked. I mean, I, I, but I also kind of respect polls for doing it his way. I guess I'd have to say that because, you know, he, again, this wasn't his guy. He inherited him, you know, and we saw him make a, a big, a, a big change to the roster, you know, top to bottom. He made a lot of changes because he wants to make this re, rework this in the image he has. So, you know, if he decides to go a different direction, I, I would, you know, I would not agree with it, but, like I said, even, even I said with Ryan Pace, you know, some of the swings and misses he had. I'm like, hey, this is his belief. You got to be convicted. Good for him for, 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 you know, doubling down and doing what he had to do. It doesn't always work. And that's something we have for a, a hindsight discussion. So I would not be happy with it. I just, because I think Fields is the guy. I think he's going to, you know, eventually, you know, show what he has. And, you know, all the talk about making him a running back, that, that's just stupid. You know, the, the reason why he's he's able to get such good yard as he does is because of his scrambling ability as a quarterback. You know, he's not a running back. He wasn't trained as a running back. He doesn't have that running back vision. Where he, He's doing all this off instinct and off athleticism, and that's not enough to be a, an actual running back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that, 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 that's a crazy sentiment. But this kind of reminds me of that family guy uh, gif, right? Where it's the, but like, let's take what's behind the box. It could be anything, even a Justin <laughs> Fields, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of <laughs> what the, the, the sense is a little bit. You feel pretty good about where Fields is at. I feel like the league feels pretty good about where Fields is at. This was a bad game. Please don't run off the track because of, of a bad game with, a, a disintegrating offensive line and he clearly got banged up right at some point that kind of yeah. took away his desire or his ability to, to to stretch out and run in the in the open field still still put up more yards running through through the rest of the game i mean he, he still got some some positive gains but um i i would be <laughs> i would be i would be shocked in the rest of that tweet two first round picks and two additional picks is what no one's you know no one's focusing on. It's just the trade. Yeah. That would be kind. Of, like, you'd be like, well, okay, it's maybe it's I can kind of see yeah. it. You know, like uh, maybe I can do that. Because really, if they get the number one pick, they got to trade out of it. It's malpractice if they don't trade out of it and 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 at least get some capital out of there. Because if you're not taking a quarterback at one in a quarter in a draft that has good quarterbacks, like you're, 
<laughs> you're, you're, it's just, that's not how you do it. Like that's, that's malpractice. So you, you ha- you'd have to trade out of that pick. Hopefully you get a ton for it. Um, but if they, for some reason said, no, this guy is, we think this guy's a generational prospect. Uh, we like Justin Fields, but we're making the tough decision to go in a different direction and take this draft capital for him and, you know, whatever. I mean, I'd be, I'd be shocked. Um, I'd be probably sad because I really like Justin Fields. Yeah. But I'd also probably, like you said, I'd respect him for doing it his way. And, and then we, boy, we'd have a lot of content. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from that perspective, that would be great. All right. So caught up in the numbers games, uh, stat of the week. What do you have for us? My number this week is 10. And that is the, uh, the number of sacks this season by the Chicago Bears defensive lineman. And that is the lowest in franchise history. That's that courtesy of uh, CHGO's Will DeWitt, who has uh, been a guest of, of, of the channel here. Um, that's that's pitiful. You know, 10 sacks out of your out of your front four there. You know, this year, the total is 20. Of course, we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, with, with uh, Brisker. Jaquan Brisker, he's leading the team in sacks at four. Among the defensive linemen, the league, the two, there's, there's two guys tied for three each. Justin Jones and Travis Gibson, um, brutal. Ten sacks from your from your defensive line. I mean, that that has to change. Okay, so we we had the same stat. Um, that, I had a I feeling. It, I don't think that's ever happened, but uh, twenty sacks overall. That's I have a little bit more. I can go a little deeper. So I went Dude. back and I looked from nineteen eighty two on. Nineteen eighty two is kind of insane because it's only nine games, and in nineteen eighty two the team still had thirty. <laughs> That was the that was a strike year, yeah. Yeah, it was a strike. That was year. still Hampton, right? Hampton was on that squad. Hampton, Hampton uh, was had that nine. dense. Was that dense so, rookie year? Uh, or might have been a year before. Yeah, I mean, Dent didn't really break out till '84, and then okay. and then he broke out, right? So, okay, um, yeah, it didn't like didn't like the middle of the year, and he yeah. just goes on like a heater. Like it's it's kind of amazing. I went back and I did a bunch of Richard Dent. Uh, stuff in the off season. I was just like, holy crap. Like just, just a heater um, that, that he went on in 84. So here, here's so 2003, which is random, but like 2003 was bad year. It's 18 sacks. It's the lowest in, in franchise history. So the bears did sneak up above the, the, the low watermark here um, for, for 2022. <laughs> right. So 20 sacks uh, is, is the second least in franchise history. They're not going to catch the, the, the third, which is I think 28. Um, so, so that's not going to happen, but the, the team leader, the lowest number for the team leader is very much in play and, and, and not even in play. It's going to happen. Um, the, Team leader, and again, stacks are an official stat starting in 1982. Uh, the, the team leader, every single year, I charted it all out. Who do you think has it? <laughs> it's 2003. 2003. I mean, that, 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 yeah. Is that Philip Daniels' year, maybe? So Daniels has never actually led the team, but it's very, it's a very okay. close uh, uh, okay. comparison here. So Alex Brown, he of the like giant hands, okay. Alex Brown. Alex Brown led the team in sacks three different years, and it was all like pretty low level, very low level years. Um, six, six, and then in this year, five and a half. So that that was the team leader in 2003, the worst franchise year for sacks. Uh, only eight team. Alex Brown had five and a half of them. Unless Jaquan Brisker picks up two sacks in this game, uh, the, they're going to set another 
terrible record here. We we could go on and talk about all of the terrible records that this team is going to set, but here's another one. The sack leader is going to be the, the lowest number of sacks uh, that we've ever seen, and it is a defensive back, which that will be the first time that that will happen. Um, it, unless, again, Justin Jones has like a sack and a half or whatever, Brisker's going to lead this, this team in sacks. Uh, that is, I believe, I may have missed something, but I believe he will be, if he doesn't get another one, he'll be third in, in franchise history for single season sacks as a defensive back. Do you care to guess individuals from the 80s who would top him? I'm giving you like some 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 clues here. As defensive backs, I, I got to assume, uh, you know, Dave Duerson is on that list. Dave Duerson had seven in 1986 and, uh, so that is uh first place for defensive backs i'm gonna assume uh, uh fensix probably up there too no uh oh, dang it do you want another shot uh doug plank did he make the list no i would have thought that that's where i would have gone to so, so Safe, todd yeah. todd bell todd bell in yes 1984 um which 1984 is insane it's 72 sacks it's like a, just an insane year for the for the bears defense uh he had four and a half so brisker if he gets another one somehow uh he could he could at least be second place in franchise history for defensive back sacks and again i might have missed one I, I won't claim that i had a perfect uh system there of trying to find this in the 30 minutes before the show but it uh it looked to me like brisker is going to be the only defensive back to lead the team for sure and third place um if not maybe sneak into second place uh for defensive backs in franchise history in sacks so it's that's, something, I guess. That's, that's uh, we knew this defense was going to be bad. We hoped to be a little better than this, but you know, it's it's surpassed even the Mel Tucker era of suck. It's uh, it's a pretty bad defense. You know, you mentioned you know the chances of a, of a guy getting multiple sacks, and Alex Brown had a four sack game during uh, 04 that season to kind of push him to six. He was uh, so it's, it's possible, you know, it's, yeah. it's possible, you know, Justin Jones or, or or Travis Gibson could, you know, put up multiple sacks, but I don't think so. I just, <laughs> I think it's, it's just been such a, you know, such a bad year that it, it seems impossible. I mean, the, the Bears had one sack going into like that last, not the kneel down drive, but the last drive and they got that one against the, the backup quarterback yeah. and it, until that moment it was like another game where they're just going to have one sack you know anyway yeah it's just it's brutal let's let's move on before i continue to depress myself with more bad stats here's more bad stats here's more bad stats yeah here's the fields report seven out of 21 <laughs> 75 yards one touchdown one interception the touchdown was very nice it was for cole Komet, who was a nice little play wide open um Really good design. Again, once again, we have a really nice opening drive uh, from offensive coordinator Luke Getze. The interception was one of the weirder interceptions that you'll ever see in your entire life. The Lions rushed zero. They dropped everybody into coverage, including rookie defensive end Aiden Hutchinson sitting on the sideline, who then jumped a panicked pass late uh, and got an interception. Fields, of course, added 10 carries for 132 yards, getting him pretty close to that uh, record set by Lamar Jackson for most rushing yards by a quarterback. And he gave Lester a lot of work in sack watch by taking seven sacks. So maybe the worst Fields report that we've had this year. Seven sacks and uh, seven completed passes, which is uh, pretty brutal. 
I talked about, I did the uh, post game with Robert yesterday. I talked about a little bit there. It's just, you know, Fields has been pretty good, his pocket presence, you know, the last month or so. He, I believe, from the players, I think he uh, may be responsible for the most sacks this season on the Bears. Braxton Jones may, uh, may be up there with him. But but the last month or so, I haven't really given any to Fields. He's been pretty good. The sacks he's taken has been the fault of someone else or just – you know, scheme related or, or, you know, coverage related, but this game, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at the all 22 yet, but I'm guessing there'll be at least one or two that I'm going to have to pin on fields. I know he had the one where he ran out of bounds, which I don't understand. I'll never understand why a quarterback would ever go out of bounds, especially in this situation. I mean, there was no one, no one around him, just, you know, chuck out of bounds. So he's going to get pinned for a couple. Um, it's my guess. Uh, there's a couple others that I'm looking at. I'm like, man, if, if, if the coverage is tight, Maybe I can kind of understand because he was stuck in the pocket, had nowhere to go. You can't just throw it out of bounds from the pocket. You got to be outside the pocket. So it's a brutal game, you know. And then the rushing yards, it would have been nice to see him get it. I don't think he's going to get it because I don't think he's going to play against the Vikings. I don't either. <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of talk about the betting line. Uh, the betting Big line movement, at, yeah. Yeah, betting line open at minus one. Uh, the the Vikings were a one point favorite to to beat the Bears. The Vikings, people, are, ah, the Vikings are just going to rest their starters. I mean, I'm not so sure. Maybe, but like they still have somewhat of a chance to get that two seed. They really kind of cost themselves against Green Bay, but they have the chance against the two get the two seed. But if I were them, I would want to win that game. Like I'm just just saying, like you, you want to take make sure you you're giving yourself that chance in case the Niners don't win, but. Uh, maybe they're just going to say no. The week, the week of uh, rest is going to be better for us. But if Justin Fields doesn't play, I, what what chance does this Bears offense have? Like that, he's the only thing that's given them any kind of hope. The line has jumped to like four and a half, uh, uh, meaning that either the book knows something that Fields isn't going to play, or that the Vikings are probably going to play their starters to try to win one of those two things changed something in their mind in that line move that's a big movement early week so uh there's there's stay tuned like there's well the way that the way the schedule is lined up is the bears are noon the bears vikings and they have the niners at the 325 kick so they, oh they they made it so that way the vikings won't know that's so the vikings yeah, the vikings will have to i mean unless they don't care about that two seed which is possible because if they get the two seed and the Packers win. Now they got to take on the Packers, and I'm not saying they're afraid of the Packers, but the Packers just whipped their ass pretty good. So, so, so yeah, but maybe you, they want to. I think you it's, want it's a weird. Two, yeah, you want home. the two seed home. because well, yeah. you get the second home game. Yeah, I, that would be insane coaching if you were like, no, I'm going to throw this game so that I yeah. don't have to play the Packers. But yeah. uh, who who knows? Well. I, I would like to see the Niners just stomp the Packers. Like, let's be honest. Like, they can they seem to do that regularly for us. Like, I, I don't thing, know. Come yeah. playoff times, I root for the Niners a lot because yeah. of that situation. Just, just, just saying. So, um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Other side of this, we'll do everybody's favorite segment: the Three Bears. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Lester, hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, which, boy, you did not have to heat up the burners much. We could hand out a lot of cold bowls of porridge and the just right. Who did you have for your hot bowl of porridge this week? For the hot, again, it's uh, it's, it's kind of box score scouting, but I'm going to go with the guy that I did not anticipate to do anything like this, and that is uh, linebacker Joe Thomas. He, he showed up with 12 tackles in the box score. Um, the tackle for loss. He had a tackle on special teams. A lot of his tackles were made, you know, getting blown back. But when you give up 41 points, is what happens. Again, the spirit of the of the hot bowl is a guy that exceeded expectations. I did not expect to see Joe Thomas uh, getting close to a career high in tackles for himself. I think his career high may have been 13. I went back and looked, but 12 tackles. Joe Thomas. I mean, Roquan, who? Yeah. Jack Sanborn, who? <laughs> Yeah. You know, let's get, just keep moving on to the next uh, next linebacker. Uh, I think part of that is because the Lions just said we're going to give both of our running backs a bunch of carries and yeah. because they're just trying to milk clock late and linebackers make tackles. But, yes, yeah. uh, that's true. I did not expect double-digit tackles from Joe Thomas, not to be confused with future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. So uh, my hot bowl of porridge goes to punter Trenton Gill, the guillotine. Seven punts. Three went inside the 20. No touchbacks. Very important. No touchbacks. He had a 43.6 net yards per punt. Only gave up 16 return yards, which is quite good, um, meaning that most of his punts either forced a fair catch um, or were downed, right? Like, you don't, you don't want to see guys really... It, it, there's there's a couple of rookies or uh, across the league punters and they're, they're pretty good. They got big legs, right? Like you kind of seen it. Ryan Stonehouse is one of them. They're just booming the ball, right? Sometimes you outkick your coverage, where you you have kicked the ball so far and you're giving a huge lane for that returner. That's not really Gill's game. Gill does not have the biggest leg. It's fine. It's definitely NFL worthy. He can he can work on some strength and and maybe some technique and get get that up a little bit. But what you have to like is that he he does force a fair number of fair catches. 
and he's able to be control. He doesn't have a lot of touchbacks. A couple of the touchbacks that he's had were really missed opportunities by special teamers that could have downed the ball. Um, so he, his stats could be a little better. And I know I'm talking about punting stats, but that's what happens when you lose 41 to 10 yeah. and the punter punts seven times, which is the most that we've seen him, but it, they were, they were really good punts. And then he kicked off three times. All three were touchbacks. This was a good game on Trenton Gill. I was very impressed. Um, Two good holds. Like, let's just let's just talk about it, right? <laughs> good. I, I love. I I know it's a bit of a shtick. I get it. Like, I'm trying to give him a nickname. It's catching on a little bit. Happy about that. But honestly, it was actually a pretty good game. Like, he he, he punted well. Um, he did the things that you want to see. Yeah, I'm gonna have a little more on Trenton Gill uh, in in our in our last category. Just right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's flip it around. Let's go to Cole. Cole yeah. I mean, where do we start? I could have gone with several, several yeah. places like we talked about. I got to go Braxton Jones. And this is, this is bittersweet for me because I just last week, man, I did a video, Braxton Jones. I thought he might've had one of his best games of the season against the Buffalo Bills. The bull rush continues to be a, a bugaboo for him. It's going to get him until the off season when he has a chance to work on that. But there are at least, at least two just blown right back that I think, you know, again, I'm going to look at the, the, the all 22 to make sure, but it looks like two sacks going to be on Jones. Um, he gave him some other pressures off that, you know, the book's out on him. I mean, it's, you know, the season's almost over teams. know you know, you're going to attack Braxton Jones, you attack him with the bull rush. You know, he has to know that. And now not only does he have to work on getting better against the bull rush in the off season. Now he has to be playing a little, little chess here thinking, okay, once I show this, what is the defensive lineman's counter going to be to me? So he's he's gonna have to get in the lab and really work on some stuff here. But I got to go Braxton Jones this week. And if you haven't not checked out the video though, it was a nice video last week. Uh, me me and our guy Zach Rosenblum we had a chance to go out there and uh, you know he had some nice plays against the Bills. Let's forget about his lion lion performance. Well, this is a burn the tape situation in it a was. lot of ways. He was I upset mean, I, after the game. I, I yeah, I think yeah. anybody associated <laughs> with this game should be upset. I I started writing down things just you know cold bowl right and i just i just had offensive line yeah i had justin fields i had wide receivers byron pringle like four targets no catches like what are you doing right uh um uh, dante pettis right like i just i had all of these notes and i, and I just put just gross just yeah. you know and then defense i just the entire defense i just kind of called out as cold bowl. terrible right? Coaching, terrible. What are we doing late in the game? It's over. Why are you putting fields back out there? What's the point? You know, you, you, you realize that it's, a, you're not going to get any value out of that. It's over. Pull him. What are you doing having him still on the field? doesn't make any sense to me. You can give it to literally anybody except for <laughs> the special teamers. Yeah. That's it. Like anybody that was on offense or defense, give it to them. Like anybody in the coaching staff, give it to them. Like no one deserves any love for getting blown out by the lions and I, I i like the lions they're a little better this year but there's no excuse to getting blown out by this much it was gross give it to who you want it's everybody's live it's it's a it is a no bad answer category this week um just right you had a uh, more gill stuff let's go i got more gill stuff i wouldn't just write i mean I, I i thought about going hot uh with gill um, but, you know, I think at this point as a rookie punter, I think we kind of expect this kind of performance out of him. It was like seven punts. So, I mean, the most he's had. But you talked about his 45.9 average, 43.6 net, uh, three inside of 20, uh, like you already talked about. 
he's a rookie punter. You know, the Bears have it under control at a, at a relatively cheap contract for four years. You know, uh, I did dig a little deeper on him. You know, 63 punts this season, which is 16th ranked. Um, his net average uh, is, is a little low. It's it's 29th ranked at 39.8. But that's the uh, the return yards. That's, the, I think, at three touchbacks also. Um, 45.9 average is ranked 21st uh, in, in, in the league this year. 18 punts inside the 20 which is 28.6% of his, of his punts, uh, 30th. So he needs to improve his directional uh, punting a little bit, um, which is something he can do is I think he can do that here. Um, but did you realize among the entire bears history? And, and I went back and checked the, uh, the history of the franchise among punters. And I'm not talking about a guy that had a punt or two. I'm talking about yeah. guys that have at least a season's worth of punting. The guillotine is number one all time in bears history with his average and his net average, the two best marks in Chicago Bears history, is the guillotine. I mean, I have I have moved on from Brad Maynard as my punter of choice. Maybe not Sam Householder, who shares you know an all mater with, with Maynard, yeah. but but uh, you know I'm 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 all in. I'm all in. I, I've certainly moved on from Pat O'Donnell. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's great. That's a great start to his career. And again, you don't think about it like oh, a punter is a punter these aren't finished products, right? Like yeah. these guys, these guys can get into the weight room. They can put on a little bit more muscle. They can work on their technique. Like, you know, some of the stuff with punting is, is situational, right? Like if you have a lot more midfield punts where you're pooching, you know, the, there's a little bit of difference, you know, it's hard to break out punts without really going into it. And no one does that. So you can do that with your one player, but I'm not going to do that with all 32 punters, which yeah. would give me like an actual apples to apples comparisons with other guys. But you can kind maybe there's some stuff we can do to tease out a little bit, but yeah, good stuff. Um, I, since I already used, I uh, already used Gil for the, the hot bowl for just right for me, Phelous Jones. Okay. One kick return. 63 yards, one target, zero catches. Exactly what I expect out of Valence Jones at this point. A good kick return and adding nothing on offense. Uh, not to be a jerk about it, but well, there was there was the one jet sweep. To be fair, he had a nice jet sweep. He 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 got around the edge, which is how you want to use him. You True. know, yeah, a, a couple runs maybe. You know, maybe one or two touches a game. You know, we'll see what he has with the juice. There was some people saying. You know, well, maybe Valence Jones is a little bit more Cordero Patterson than you might think. And so if that's the case, then let's see what he can do just being as a running back or or getting him more on those jet sweeps, like you said. Um, not adding anything in the passing game, though. So anyway, but great, great return. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, you took it out eight yards deep, seven yards deep. And so that was just trying to see if you could get something to go right before half. And of course, then the next play was that really weird zero rush uh, interception. But <laughs> but there was a point where like, oh, that's great. Right. And you almost wonder why you don't do that a little bit more. You know, when when things are going poorly, you're, you're following your rules. You know, if it's, it's deep in the end zone, you're letting it go for a touchback. But you might just want to Devin has to rule it where you just say everything's live. Like you just take it out because you never know if you can get a spark here. You might have to do something like that, especially when you're you're playing a game that you're probably going to lose. You might as well try to give him a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to start drives at the eight yard line either. I think you got to take a chance when when you when you have legitimate four four three speed. I mean that's that's you touch the ball, you're a threat anytime you touch the ball because of the speed. 
take it out every chance you get. You know, I mean, those rules are there for a reason, but I think with a guy like Bayless Jones, I think you got to break those rules. I agree. I don't have a lot of other nice things to say about that game. And let's go to that golden rule. If you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. Um, I could probably complain for longer, but why don't we get out of here at a crisp, uh, you know, 40 some minutes as opposed to going too long. We'll stick around for our YouTube folks to go through some questions and comments there. And so an airing of grievances, I'm sure, uh, awaits us there. You can join us every Monday uh, or, you know, yeah, it's been every Monday, right? For the most part, we haven't really moved that. Uh, Six central time, Um, only one game left. So this is the penultimate episode. There is one left if you wanted to join us on Second City Gridiron YouTube. And we're talking about before the show what we're going to do in the offseason. Lester and I have some ideas on how we can kind of keep this going. Maybe not do the categories so much, but have the two of us uh, try to work in uh, some fun offseason work and uh, look forward to sharing some of our plans with you on that. Um, I am looking forward to not recording four times a week, um, but we will continue to do that until the end of the year. Uh, And what do you have going on, Lester? Yeah, you know, I think this whole week will be uh, at least up till Wednesday. You know, you mean the next couple of days of looking at sacks. So I'm going to try and get a jump start on that. You know, I, I got like a skeleton post I have to work on every week. I get that all prepped. Um, of course, you know, making the gifts is, is a pain in the butt. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of sack watch prep uh, before the before the actual sack watch drops on Wednesday. Look for our friend Kev, who's filling in for me on yes. 10 Thoughts on the NFL this week. I thought you guys would enjoy that. Uh, the Banhammer um, writing up that article. I needed a break. I was kind of out of ideas, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a weird time of the year. I'm not seeing the board right. I think I missed every single bet yesterday. So uh, not 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 good for me. Uh, we will finish up with the ten, last 10-minute 10 drill probably Friday. Maybe, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe it'll be later than that like it was this week. Um, the last gambler's den. Uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, So join us for those. Um, And until next week, where we wrap up the season, bear down. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.